Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Okay, so we are busy with the series of Elisha, and uh, we're in Second Kings. If you want to go read, it's such amazing um, history of of God that we find in Elisha. Um, and in Second Kings, and and what I love about it is is the amount of of books that that are available and historical documents that are available that's not Christian books and it's not the Bible that have all these events are recorded in it. It's it's not just our faith where where we can say, well, you know, it's in our Bible. It's like these are historical events. Um, that's been documented across different faiths and cultures. So Elisha is a guy, and we said two weeks ago, Ermery did an amazing job last week um, preaching, so <laughs> thankful for that. Uh, to all the moms, we love and honor you. Um, but Elisha performed in the Bible, besides Jesus, nobody else performed more miracles than Elisha. So <laughs> this morning, uh, I rewrote my message between breakfast, uh, cooking breakfast and serving it. So it's going to be <laughs> maybe a little rough this morning. So bear with me, but I feel this is what's on God's heart for us for today. There's this amazing story of Elisha that I want to read to you. It's in 2 Kings 4 and it's in verse 38. It says the following, um, Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the region. And the reason I changed it, because I spoke to Jay this morning just briefly uh, about our kids, both our kids love musical theater. They love being in productions. They, they love the stage. They, they love performing. Um, they, they love uh, uh, an industry and a world that is filled not with God, but, but it's actually filled with the world. It's filled with secular culture. It's filled with, with standards, which, which is not reflecting Bible standards. Um, so what do you do as believers? Do we just withdraw and say, well, our kids can be part of it? Or maybe the world and the place that you are living in and working in is filled with just secular world um, standards and morals and principles, and, and God's not present in any of it. What do we do? Do we just withdraw into a little cocoon as Christians and say, well, I can't be there. I can't be part of that. Or how should we respond? What should we do? Uh, so this morning I spoke to Jay about it because his son did such an amazing job um, in the production. He was little Simba in The Lion King and so talented, extremely talented and don't want to see a talent wasted because of an industry that's filled with secular morals and principles. We should be in it, but how? How do we do that? So Elisha returned to Gilgal and there was a famine in the region. And while the company of the prophets was meeting with him, he said to his servants, put on a large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. So these prophets are people that they are training up. These are prophets of God. He's telling one of the servants, we're going to cook them some food, make it a big pot and cook them some stew. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs 
and found a wild vine and picked of many and picked as many of it as as gourds as his garment could hold and and I'm, I stumbled there because I'm thinking about yes we all know this servant that just randomly goes and picks vines that he doesn't know anything about and when he returned he cut them up into the pot of stew though no one knew what they were oh we're just gonna eat it the stew was poured out for the men but as they began to eat it they cried out man of God there is death in this pot and they could not eat it Elisha said now listen to this get some flour now Man of God, there is death in this industry. There is death in my culture. There is death in the environment that I'm in. We can't survive in it. And Elisha said, get some flour. He put it into the pot and said, serve it to the people to eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. I'm sure they have that one guy that they use as the tester. <laughs> right, you eat it. <laughs> Let's see what happens to him first. So, so th this is what I love. Elisha felt a special responsibility to help in this situation because he told the man to gather ingredients. He told them, make a stew. And they gathered a wild vine and it poisoned the pot. The gourds, they say, was something that was called a wild cu cucumber. And what it would do, it, it would um, cause extreme stomach cramps and it can be fatal. They still find it. You can still find it um, in that parts of, of the country. Sturgeon is a Bible, famous Bible commentary um, writer. And he, he writes the commentary about this. And this is what I love so much. He says the following, you have been trying to find pleasure in the world. And you have found wild vines. You have gathered wild gourds and, and a lapful of it, almost a heart full of it. You have been shredding death into the pot. And now you cannot feel as you used to feel. The poison is stiffening your soul. So he said, then bring some flour and he put it in the pot. Now there is nothing inherently purifying in the flour that Elisha put in the pot. The real purification was the miraculous work of God. But then Sturgeon concludes with the following. There is death in the pot of life. How is the church to meet that? I believe it is in imitating what Elisha did with the stew. We need not to attempt to get the wild gourds out of the pot because they are cut up too small and they are too cunningly mixed in, mixed in and mixed up with the rest of the stew. They have entered too closely into the whole mass of teaching and culture and doctrines that it's impossible to remove them. So what then should we do? We must look to God for help and use the same means Elisha used. Bring meal. Meal is also the same idea as the word. That's how we create bread. Make the bread of life something real. Good, wholesome food 
was cast into the poisonous stuff. And by God's gracious working, it killed the poison. And the church must cast the blessed gospel, the wonderful word of grace and of the love of God into the poison pottage. And the false doctrine will not be able to destroy man's soul as it does now. Man, that's what we are to do. We don't remove ourselves from the world. We add more gospel to it. That's the church we're supposed to be. We don't box ourselves in. We don't close ourselves up. We open up our doors. We invite people in. And we share as much word as we possibly can with them. As much good news as we possibly can. Because we are not going to be able to remove the seeds of culture from the world that we are living in. But we can bring some good meat to it. Some good word to it. Amen? Yeah. So Elisha. Elisha, this is a man that today... Let me start with a question. How many of you would like to be blessed by God? Anybody here that said, yeah, you know, I would like to be blessed by God. Okay, good. <laughs> Some of you, that's great. How many of you, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a relief. Um, how many of you would say, listen, you know what? I, I don't want to be blessed. I want to have a double portion. I want to have a double portion of blessing. Let me see. Okay, so everybody who didn't raise your hand, too bad for you. We'll take yours. Like, you just missed out. Like, if you're saying, no, I'm not going to raise my hand in church, you know, I'm not going to do that. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is an acknowledgement that we do. It's a, simple, it's a simple declaration. Do I want to be blessed by God? Yes or no? Yes. No, it's, it's like uh, the reality is, you know, where it should be as a body is uh, when you ask, how many of you want to be blessed by God? There shouldn't be a hand that stays down. And I do think it's because we don't understand blessing. I, I do think it's because we don't understand what it means to bless. Um, some people are worried that, that blessing is like a um, prosperity gospel um, theory or a word that people use. But, but Jesus spoke about it. The whole Sermon of the Mount is about being blessed that Jesus spoke about. He wants us to be blessed. I want my marriage to be double blessed. I don't want a double marriage. I just want my marriage to be, I don't want two wives. One's good. <laughs> I want my children to be double blessed. I want them to be blessed in their relationships, in their health, in their future, in their thinking, in their protection. I, I want my finances to be blessed. Um, I want to be in that position where, where Jay spoke of, where I know my God provides more than what I've, I can imagine is already available. I can be a blessing to others. I want my, my health to be blessed. I, I want to be healthy. I want to be strong. I don't want to walk with pain. I want to be, be physically strong. God, I want your blessing in that. And as I've studied uh, the Bible, there are a few things that I've picked up along the way. And one of the, the main things, and, and I hope that, that you get this this morning, is that God wants, God wants to bless you. It is His desire. He, and, and I think 
in church, like if, if we had to do a survey here and it's anonymous, we will have people in here who doubt that. I'm not sure if God's really into blessing. I, like, because I've heard teachings where, where God's not interested in your happiness. He's interested in your holiness. And I'm like, ah. I hear what you're saying, yet Jesus preached, blessed is the poor in spirit, which means happy. The word blessed means happy. So, so if Jesus was preaching that, how can we say this is not God's heart for us? God wants to bless you. He is a good father that wants to pour out blessing over his children. God wants to bless you. And a lot of times we get confused with that because we know us better than anybody else knows us. You know you better than anybody else knows you. And your thinking is, if I was God, I'm not sure if he wants to bless me. We think that God is more like ready, like he's got a, a lightning bolt with your name on it that's locked and loaded and he's just waiting. Come on, Eddie, mess up. Come on, Eddie, mess up, buddy. I've got a lightning bolt just for you. I've got a punishment just for you. I've got hard things just for you. I'm just waiting for you to mess up. We think God has, has got that mindset towards his children. He's waiting for us with anticipation to fail. And, and almost like a father, some of us think that God's love for us is conditional. Many fathers have made this mistake where our love and the way we show our love for our family and for our children, I'm going to love you as long as you behave. The moment you don't behave, my love is not going to be there anymore. The, the moment you step out of line, my love's going to withdraw from you. And that's why many people struggle with seeing our God as a loving father. It's because as fathers, we have messed up. And, and I am so intentional on this. With my own kids, I never want my fathering to withhold the father's relationship that the father wants with them. I never want what I do. And I know as fathers, we're not going to be perfect. I don't think God's expecting us to be perfect. But I do know that we have a major responsibility to reflect love and acceptance. God is for you. He's not against you. Amazing scriptures in the Bible. Um, when you read Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28 and 29 and Deuteronomy 30, Moses is preaching. And I want you to listen to what he says in chapter 28. He says the following, All these blessings will come on you and occupy you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock 
the calves and your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. Oh, you know, I've always wanted my kneading trough to be blessed. How many of you have a kneading trough? How many of you know what a kneading trough is? Nobody. Yes, good. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. Go research it because I don't know. You will be blessed when you come and come in and you will be blessed when you go out. Just listen to all the blessing that he's talking, Moses is talking about. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. This is God's promise to his children. The Lord will send a blessing on your bonds and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. Then in chapter 30 verse 19, he says the following. This day, listen now. I call the heavens and I call the earth as witnesses against you. What does a witness do? testifies. So God is saying, this day, I'm calling the heavens and I'm calling the earth to testify something. I'm calling them to testify that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. So he's saying, I, I, I want to testify that the heavens and the earth is going to testify that I have put before every single one of you, every single one of you that's here, before you I've put a choice and the heavens and the earth will testify on what choice you are making. One day you can't come and complain and say, but God, he says, no, no, there will be witnesses that will give account on what you are choosing. What choices are you making? It is a choice. The choices between death and life, blessings and curses. In chapter 11, Moses said this, verse 26. See, I'm setting before you today, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today and the curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I commanded you today by following other gods which you have not known. It's a choice. You choose blessings or you choose curses. You choose life or you choose death. Now, where's all my umbrella people? Come forward, please. You are Klitte. Come here. Yeah, please come forward. I want you to open up your umbrellas. Yeah, please. Right here at the top. Open them up. I want you to come stand here at the top. Somebody who, somebody, yeah, somebody else who got an umbrella was really scared and they left. Um, that's okay. So I need one more umbrella. I mean, they, they're there at the back in the box there, Bish, just in, in that room there. Somebody else over here get an umbrella? Maureen, I remember you got one. 
She didn't get it. Oh, we owe you one then, sorry. But you are going to get one now. Please come and she'll give you your umbrella. Okay, so, so I want you to hold your umbrellas up. Okay. Now you're going to be here for just a little bit. Okay. Now, I, I didn't really plan this well at all. So if this whole exercise fails, have grace because it's their first time. <laughs> it's not me that didn't think this through. Um, <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, stand there. Okay, great. You can just stand there for a while. So, so I love the... Uh, can I have one more umbrella, please? <laughs> Sorry. I love the example of an umbrella. And, and the reason why I love the example of an umbrella is because it, it means that, that you have a choice to stay under a covering or not. It's your decision, right? You, you can choose to stay under a covering or not. Now, an umbrella, what an umbrella, what it does not do is, an umbrella does not cause the rain to stop. Right? It doesn't. If it's raining and storming outside, the umbrella doesn't determine, ah, it's going to change the weather. The weather remains the same. It simply determines if I'm going to be in the rain or if I'm going to be covered from the rain. Right? Simple, easy explanation so far. Stay put, guys. Don't go anywhere. Serving God does not mean that it's not going to rain. Serving God does not mean that suddenly the conditions outside are going to change. It means I'm protected and I'm covered when it rains. It is a choice. Each one of you can step back from your umbrella. The umbrella remains there, but it's a choice. <laughs> Look at this, it's like choreography. Or you can step back into it and do a spin. <laughs> now, I really want you to understand this, please. So, so God's love is unconditional. There's no conditions for His love. There's nothing that you have done or nothing you can ever do for God to love you more there's no service. There's nothing you can do that will make God go, oh, you know what? Did you just see what he did for me? I just love him so much more now. No, God's love is the same. Doesn't matter what you do. Sinner, saved, saint, most holy person on the face of the earth. God's love the same for you as it is for the worst sinner on the earth. His love is the same. Unconditional for all of us. It's there for all of us. His love is the same. Unconditional. But if we look at an eternity perspective, just think of eternity and spending time in eternity with Him. Let's start there. The blessing of eternity is conditional. Love, unconditional. The blessing of spending eternity with Him, conditional. What is the condition? You've got a choice. What, what is the choice? Accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There is a condition to your salvation. The condition is accepting Christ. Now, before, before you've made this decision, God's love's already there for all of us. 
It's already there. Unconditional love for all of us. Now I have to make a choice to accept the one that's paid for my sins. I have to accept him as my savior. And when I make that choice, that decision, what happens now is I move from a conditional covenant, which was before to an unconditional covenant where we are now. God's love, when I accept Christ, becomes unconditional. It's always there. But now something else is added also. God's blessing is now there. It's present. It's unconditional. It's there for every single one of us. God's blessing is there for you in your finances. It's unconditional. It's there. It's there for you in your relationships, your marriage. God's blessing is unconditionally there for you for your marriage. For your parenting. God's blessing is there for, for all your children as they grow up from, from young to small. It's there. The blessing is there for your purpose. God's blessing is there for your purpose. Here's the thing that is so interesting. When we get saved, the blessings are all here. Okay, we can see there's our finances, there's our marriage, there's our parenting, here's our plans and purposes. They're all there. I get saved. I'm new to Christianity. I'm new to God. Most of us, with my finances, I'm over here. What I have to do as a believer now, because of this unconditional blessing that's there, I have to make sure that I get under it. My marriage. I have to make sure that my marriage, my conduct, you, you might be married before and, and you didn't have godly counsel or you don't know what a godly marriage is. Now God's word gives you incredible instruction on how to have a blessed marriage. And it is there. It's available. It's not earned. It is not deserved. It's available. I have to choose. You have to choose. Do I want my marriage to be blessed or not? And if I do want it, I have to get under the covering of what a blessed marriage is. <laughs> Parenting. Parenting, man. The world gives us, uh, I said to Irene last few weeks, I've been saying, there is no good instruction out there on parenting. I don't know what parents, where do you go? Where do you go when you need counsel? Or when you need on, on how do I raise my children up in God's ways? Where do we go? They, they, there's, there's not information out there. There's not enough. There aren't courses. But the Bible is filled with it. Now, you might be raising your children in the world's standards and in the world's ways. And what God is saying is, get under my covering for what I say parenting is. Might not be comfortable. Might not be convenient. Might not be how you want to do it. But you got to get covered. Your purposes and plans. Man, this is probably one of the biggest ones which we have to figure out. We have our purposes. We have our plans. We have what we think we want to become one day. And you know what? You can work at it. You might have some success in it. But I know fulfillment and blessing. Remember what's blessing is be happy in it. Satisfied with your life, satisfied with what you're doing is you have to get under it. 
Thank you, guys. You guys can take your umbrellas with you. You guys were amazing. You were really good. Now, I, I do want you to hear me. I want to say this again. When it rains, what does the umbrella do? It doesn't stop the rain around me. It just stops it from raining on me. It's the same for every area of your life. God, when we say God's blessing is unconditional, it means the following. His blessings will always remain available for you, to you. He does not remove it. It's not a conditional, I'm going to come in now because you've done something right. Okay, now I'm going to bring my blessing. No, the blessing is always present cannot be removed again because you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. The blessing is always present. But God, and this, this is where we, we, we sometimes, I think many people get confused because they think their conduct doesn't count. Your actions and your decisions, they don't really matter. They do. If my conduct is not under God's ways of doing, don't expect a blessing over it. Don't expect there to be fruit when I am not doing something within God's ways. So, what does it mean? It means that we have to align our lives with, with God's instructions for those areas. And His blessings that He's already made available to us, they will be there. I want to say this again. You don't have to do anything to make Him love you more. You don't have to do anything to make Him bless you more. It's not earned, but it is a choice. Now, Elisha, I want to show you something about him because we're talking about him, so I probably have to, to do something about him also. And I'm going to finish with this. Elisha, as he steps into this double portion of blessing that God, um, that he asked for, he asked for a double portion. As he steps into it, there were some things that had to happen. And this week we'll, we'll start with the first part of it. Number one, he had to realign his life. So Elijah finds Elisha. Elijah is the first prophet. Elisha is the second one. He finds Elisha working in the field. And he walks past him. And, and, and Elisha is, is behind the plow. And he's busy plowing the field um, behind a pair of oxen. And Elijah comes up to him. And he throws his mantle over him. And we read this in 1 Kings 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shepath. He was plowing with 12 yokes of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and he became his servant. 
Now, some of us might wonder, what's this all about? You've got a guy, an old guy, walking up to a young guy, and he's throwing his old stinky coat over him. Um, and today, it, he'd probably be arrested. It sounds like an abduction or some sort, something that he's trying to do. But here's really what, what happened is the following. Elisha and his family knew who Elijah was. They knew of the miracles and, and they knew of the prophet. They, they knew of, of the, uh, they've heard of everything that has happened through this prophet Elijah. Elijah, by putting the coat on or over Elisha, it was a symbolic. It meant something. It was symbolic. He was saying that that what is covering me will now be covering you. What I was under, what I am under, you can be under it also. The blessing and the authority that I am under in my life can now also be the blessing and the authority in your life also. And this brings us to the question, whose authority are you under? Whose covering are you under? And I, I had four examples. I, there are many areas in our lives who we have to figure out whose covering we are under. And do you want a blessing in it? Do you want that to be blessed? Then you have to make sure that you get under the right covering. So Elisha, after this happened, tells Elijah, I'm all in. Meaning, I've got my ways of doing stuff. I'm busy what I'm busy with, but I'm all in. I'm going to come under the covers. I'm all in. And we, the, the reason we know he, he was all in was because of what he did. He goes back and he burns his plow. Now we know this was a nice plow. How do we know this? Because his family owned at least 12 oxen. They had land and they had fields. So anyone who owned a plow had money. He was from a wealthy family and they had money. So it was a nice plow. And back in the day of the Bible, if you had a pair of oxen, you were rich. If you had an oxen with one leg, not one wooden leg, you were rich. If you had an oxen had one wooden leg and the other one was one of those little wheels that they put on, you were rich. They had 12 at least. So I can promise you the plow that he burned was a nice one. Like a holder for his iPad player or his iPods, like leather handles, ran on a Tesla battery, right? Low on gas mileage, which would be amazing. But what did he do? People who were watching must have thought, this guy's crazy. He goes and he cuts up the plow. And it doesn't just cut it up, because if it's cut up, you can probably still fix it if you live in my house. And Saki's there with a little bottle of super glue. <laughs> There's nothing that can't be fixed. But he killed the ox. He burned the plow. He was all in. 
He didn't ask his servants, hey guys, would you just look after my plow and my cows for a while? I'm just going to see if this thing works out. He was all in. When we moved here from South Africa, we, we, we had to be all in. I'm telling you, it was probably one of the hardest things, um, moving countries and going somewhere where, when you leave family and friends and everything behind. Um, we had a home there. We had our lives there, businesses uh, there. Um, and, and I knew that if we, kept, if we kept the door just this open, the chances of you looking back is pretty good. Even if you just see a little glare. And this is what he did. He said, I'm all in on God's ways. I'm all in on God's authority. I'm all in on God's covering. I'm going to change whatever I have to do. This guy would inherit the family farm. He said, I'm all in, despite the protection that I have of my family, the wealth that I have, the future that I have, the inheritance that I have, despite all of that, I'm all in on following God. And Elijah received the double portion of blessing. Here's something for somebody today. What looked like an interruption is actually an invitation. Might look to you like an interruption. I want you to hear it's an invitation. Divine interruptions don't always happen the way we think they should and the way we think they will. God doesn't show up in a very predictable and expected manner. It is usually very unpredicted, very unexpected, sometimes very uncomfortable. Not the way that we would have done it. And I, I do want to say, if we are not careful, if you are not careful, you can miss the divine. And we can miss the double, the double blessing, the double portion of blessing that God has for us. I'll finish there. I want to challenge every single one of you. Every area of your life, you have to make sure it's covered. God's word is how we find the covering. I have to do things his way. If you are not aligned under God's covering, don't expect a blessing. It's not that God removes it. Uh, it says, you have to choose, remember it says in, in Deuteronomy, blessing and cursing. You've got to choose blessing or cursing. God does not curse. Please understand that. But the moment I step out of the covering of God, I'm stepping into the covering of curse. There's only one spot where blessing covers. God's ways. When I step out from that, I've chosen curse. Not because God brought it, because I chose it.
What have you been choosing? Choose right. God wants you to choose right. He's for you. He's really for you. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for your word that speaks to us and challenges us. But Father, not for the purpose to make us feel weak or wrong or uh, like bad people, but Father, it challenges us because you've got great plans for us. And it's like your Holy Spirit calling us out and saying to us, why are you living below what I have for you? Why are you living with less than what I've planned for you? Why are you living a life where you are struggling, where I have blessing already positioned there for you? And Father, I want to pray for those of us that want to make that choice of saying, I want to realign my life. I want to pray that we will have the boldness and the courage like Elisha to say, it's not only that I'm going to, I'm not going to put it in the storehouse or in my garage. I'm not just going to, I'm actually, Father, I'm going to be so extreme that I'm going to radically follow you in what I'm doing. Elisha had to burn his plow. He had to to burn his uh, reputation of who he's going to be, of his, his father's son, his inheritance. He had to let go of all of that. And he had to say, I want to be everything that you want me to be, God. And I know it's scary sometimes. But if that's what you call us to do and to be, Father, I pray that you will, first of all, confirm it in our hearts, show it to us in the Word, and then bring people around us to confirm it in our ears. We love you, Lord. We love your plans. You are good. You are for us. In Jesus Christ's wonderful name we pray. Amen. I mean, Life Church, we love you. We, we love serving you. Um, love sharing God's word with you. And, and, and I know the word is challenging. It is. It is challenging. But it produces fruit. I've never, ever gained muscle without resistance. It's when I lie down, when I got sick with COVID and, and I was down in bed for 20 days, I lost almost all my muscle strength. Like I lost 20 pounds. And when I had to go back to the gym and, and I had to start exercising again, I started off on the treadmill and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just going to pick up where I left off, uh, which means I'm going to run for a minute. <laughs> But I was like, my cardio was so low. And I was like, okay, I ran for 30 seconds and then I walked for a minute. And then I ran for 30 seconds and I walked. And I did that for two weeks. And then I moved over to, okay, now I'm going to run for a minute and I'm going to walk for 30 seconds. And then I moved to two minutes running and walking for 30 seconds. And then five minutes running and walking for 30 seconds. And now I'm back to 25 minutes there running. But it took time and it was resistance and it was work and it was sweat. 
And it had to change. I had to change. I had to, like, sometimes you get there and you're like, yes, I don't know if I want to do this. But if you want to, if you want to have that blessing in your life, it's work. But it's worth it. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.